we walk with the Lord in the light of his word. What a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still. And with all who will trust and obey, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but his smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt nor a fear, not a sigh nor a tear, can abide while we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no to trust and obey. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toil he doth richly repay. Not a grief nor a loss, not a frown nor a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. But we never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay for the favor he shows and the joy he bestows are for them who will trust and obey trust and obey for there's no to trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet, or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go, never fear trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. <laughs> Good morning and happy Sabbath, church family. Uh, I'm glad to be uh, with you guys. Um, I know you guys didn't expect us to be up here, uh, but uh, someone called in a favor, so here we are. 
so today we're both going to be bringing you guys uh, the message and it's going to be uh, um, where God has brought us, where we came from, uh, him bringing us through hard times and where we're at now. We wanted to do something a little bit different than your average sermon. We didn't want to just preach at you. We wanted to take you on a journey through what we've been through and hopefully you'll find some some of what God has done for us and maybe what God will be doing for you uh, through our story. Dear Lord, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for everything that you've done for us. Lord, I ask that you please be with us today and be with each and every person that is watching. Help us to speak the words that you want us to speak and that will reach those who are listening. And Lord, I ask that you please be with all of us and help us to have an amazing Sabbath, a restful Sabbath, and one that we can remember. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So I grew up in a somewhat Catholic family. Um, I grew up going to church with school um, and sometimes just to do like the, the basic sacraments, but I didn't really enjoy going to church and I didn't really learn much about God. I learned about what it meant to be Catholic, but not what it meant to be a lover of God. Um, I learned to resent God because I didn't want to go to church and I didn't want to follow the rules. Um, I grew up in the SDA church for as long as I can remember. Uh, my mom grew up in the church as well. My dad came to church later. My childhood was, I don't know, don't know how to describe it. Growing up in the church, you kind of everything just kind of feels like um, stereotypical, normal. Went to Sabbath school, was in Pathfinder, and stuff like that. Um, thought I was uh, really close with God, but a lot of that changed later on in life. So I started working at a grocery store. Um, I had worked at a few places before that, but I started working at this grocery store where. I was excited to start working because it was one place that my friends had told me was actually stable. Um, and within a couple weeks of working there, I had met pretty much everyone. And then John came to see me. And he asked me how long I'd been working there. And I told him that it had been a couple weeks. And we started talking and stuff. We had our, our break time together at one point and we talked about things that we both enjoyed or I guess things that I enjoyed and he had suggestions. <laughs> um, I really liked true crime and stuff like that. So he suggested watching Death in Paradise and I did. And that's kind of where our friendship started. So uh, at that period in time, I had been working uh, at the same grocery store for about three years at that point. And uh, I pretty much knew everyone there. I knew when new people came and old people left. Uh, and that's when I noticed there was a new cashier. I'm like, hmm, should probably get to know this person, but like, we're never on break. And then one time we were on break together, I was like, hmm. alright, let me start a conversation because it's this awkward silence. So I started with, how long have you been working here? 
And then we started you know, talking and I realized, wow, she she cray cray, man. This girl is yeah. Like cuckoo for cocoa puffs. But uh, yeah, we still we were still uh, you can see there was like a more than just co-workers still all thing but like not really friends at that point but uh yeah we, we started hanging out more so we didn't start hanging out until i don't remember if i asked him to go to tim hortons or he asked me i think i asked him that would have been something. 100%. okay so i asked him to go to tim hortons with me after i was done school one day and we talked a lot about different things but it just so happened that I was kind of in a rough place in my life. Um, like I said earlier, God wasn't in my life yet. I was, I had been dating someone for five years at that point, um, or almost five years. And we had been, I had been with him since I was 13. Um, I wasn't exactly happy. I was very depressed and very afraid of the world and I was happy in my convenient relationship um, that gave me the basics of what I needed um, but didn't didn't fill the hole that I had in my heart um, I was I was very lost I was leaning on my own understanding more than anything else I was you know I, I kind of went into crowds that um, preferred witchcraft over uh, godliness and church became part of the, the back of my mind. It wasn't at the forefront anymore. I really didn't care about church. Honestly, I kind of despised it because it meant the church represented to me control and like hypocrisy. And I, I didn't want anything to do with it. Um, but I was really lost. And even though I told everybody that I was happy, um, and that I was enjoying the times that I had, you know, smoking and drinking and doing all these crazy things, I wasn't, I would go home at night and I would lay in bed and I'd realize just how alone I was and everything was better while it was happening for about a second. And then as soon as I was alone again, it was horrible. And the times that I hung out with John, I kind of felt at peace. For just a little bit, which was nice. At that at that point, I can't remember uh, specific events or like changes in my life. I might have been going to school at Algonquin. Um, I can't remember exactly what was going on at that point, but spiritually, um, I guess it would have been the same as before. I thought that uh, I had a really good or sufficient relationship with God at that point but I think one problem with a lot of people growing up in the church is that you know we fall into the trap of being the older brother in the story of the prodigal son and so we think that we're good but we're just as bad if not worse than the son that left so at that point in time spiritually I was very immature even though I thought So, I mentioned earlier that we had gone to Tim Hortons, and 
I think that was the first time I had like a legitimate conversation outside of work. The whole reason that I started talking to him outside of just that one break time was because I had a teacher in university um, that, so I was in a diversity class and John was the only black person I knew at the time. So I went to him and I asked him all these questions and you know, like, how does it work? Is this true? How do I deal with this? And I had an assignment where I had to make myself a minority to understand what minorities go through. And I decided that I wanted to fake going to church with John. So I just asked him what church was like and I wrote my essay on what he told me. But once we started talking, um, he slowly mentioned God to me every once in a while, but our conversations were organic. It was never, um, he never forced me to talk about God. And there was just, there was one time where he did mention God to me, like explicitly. And I asked him why he cared so much about whether or not I believed. And he said, because I don't want to get to heaven and have to see you not come with me. Um, and that really got me because I was like, even if we don't end up being anything, you know, and we just be friends and we forget about each other, that means so much where like you would rather embarrass yourself and spend eternity with me than not embarrass yourself and spend it without me. And yeah, so that's kind of where God came into our relationship. And then later on, we were talking, we were friends, you know, we went to the movies, we went and did stuff. And he mentioned that he had a friend in school that um, had agreed that if he was old enough and still not married, that she would marry him. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, that's my plan. And I was like, John, tell me about Jesus. Well, yeah. There's a lot of years covered in that. Uh, yeah. And that <laughs> statement. So... Um, our relationship would, uh, uh, stay, I guess, semi-professional at the beginning, but then it became, uh, a friendship, but there were a lot of things from my point of view that were just like, you are very, very weird. Like, <laughs> she would tell me things, I'm like, I'm never going over to your house, ever. Ended up going over to her house for the weirdest reason. <laughs> I cleaned my room, guys. <laughs> Apparently that was worth celebrating over. Um, and so we would have these conversations about her diversity teacher, and I was like, man, this guy is utter waste. And it opened the door, and you know, as time went on, I started to realize, you know, like things were getting harder. Um, you couldn't just be a passive Christian and help maintain this relationship um we weren't sure where it was going but that's when you know i was like okay things uh i need to be more than just um uh, a lukewarm christian and the more i thought about it the more i'm like is this really worth it um was the one thing that kept coming back to my mind was the story of hosea and you know how god kept commanding him to go back back and I felt like I was saying just hang on a little bit longer John just hang on a little bit longer and uh, and so I did and uh, yeah ministering and just 
trying to explain to Brittany what I believe, and yes, that I was a virgin waiting until marriage, was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was an experience. So, although that story seems all nice and dandy, there was a lot of really, really hard times before we started dating and when we were dating. And I mean, also now that we're married, but before we started dating, there was some really hard times for me in the sense that because I didn't have the same beliefs as him and he was so hardcore about his beliefs, I was like, well, this is never going to work. So why bother? So I went ahead and just dated someone else. And that relationship turned into a very abusive relationship and it was really, really hard on me. Um, but John stuck through it with me as much as he could, like without hurting himself. And at the end of it, he ended up being the only person out of all my friends who I had known my entire life. And I had only known him for about three years at this point. He was the only person that had no judgment whatsoever about what I had been through and what had gone down and how I treated him during that time, he just, he stayed with me and he made sure that I was happy. And honestly, the amount of pain that I caused him during those times when I was, you know, I, I was in and I was out all the time. I was never making a decision to choose him and God. I was always, yeah, I'm in, oh, never mind, let me go get drunk. Or yeah, I'm in, uh, no, let me go do this instead. And I, I caused a lot of heartbreak in that time and it it was really hard um during that point in time there was um uh i'm trying to remember the exact details but i know i was in a relationship and got into one didn't really feel and that's when i started to understand uh I, well i understood that a little bit later that you know if you're not drawing you closer to god then that's not the right person for you. And so, um, got out of that relationship and then, um, into other ones. And that was a mess in and of itself. Um, but yeah, so we have both gone through some pretty rough stages in our life. And then it was just two hurt and broken people trying to, uh, you know, help each other out through that and it was really draining for me at that time I was in school full-time uh, I was still working part-time and uh, I was Pathfinder director did board meetings sat a school teacher I was a part-time deacon um, sat a school superintendent and yeah, there was a lot of things going on in my personal life that was just weighing me down and draining me completely. And so it felt like I was like, I don't think I can do this and not just like just keep holding on, God. Just keep holding on. And dealing with like having to help and minister to someone who is going through, you know, the things that you've always been told, don't do that, don't do this, stay away from alcohol, stay away from these things, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's really challenging and um, 
but like it does change your perspective on uh, the ways that God works. It does open your eyes to the small miracles and the way he works in your life. So then I started going to church, actually this time. I didn't just make John tell me what church was like and then not go. I started going to church and soon after that we started dating officially. And um, a lot of people were not necessarily okay with that. A lot of people, I don't even know if they weren't okay with it, but it felt like they weren't okay with it. I didn't feel accepted into the church family. I didn't feel like I was the person that they wanted for John. And I was really offended because I had just learned everything about God as much as I could, you know, and I was like, but who are they to say who God want, who God wants for him, right? Like, I was like, I feel like God is calling me to him, but I understand that they were, they were scared that I was attaching myself to him and not to God, um, to, to John, that is. And when we started dating, it was, it was some rocky roads, but we stuck to it because we both knew that God was saying, this is where you're supposed to be. And for the first time in my life, I was going through hard times, but I was at peace. And I had hope that there this would get better at some point. And even if it didn't get better forever, it would get better a little bit. And then it would go down again, but at least I knew that it would be okay. And yeah, so that's, that's, that's kind of how our, our relationship started. So yeah, like when we first started uh, officially dating, it was, it was interesting because like the closer we got, the more it opened my eyes to the reality of, you know, coming into the church for the first time. I got to see some of the things from Brittany's perspective, which made me realize how some of the things that we we say and we just think like, oh, this person came to church and they just didn't come back. Oh, well, they're just, you know, bad Christians. Maybe we realize that there's a lot of things that we as a church weren't doing right. And there's a lot of things that, you know, we are just not equipped or prepared to, to deal with. People with uh, traumatic experiences who have gone through a lot of trauma or those with, uh, you know, anxiety issues or mental health problems, like we're not we are not ready to deal with that and you know that's very that's limiting our ministry and so yeah seeing the way people reacted was just like interesting it was very enlightening uh oh and at the same time it was weird because at that point in time i was like uh Brittany was like you need to start putting up boundaries and the more i started to understand about even what boundaries were how to set up uh a fence around myself, I started to realize, hey, there's a lot of people who say they have claims on my, uh, on Jonathan land, and I'm like, you don't have any, there's, there's, your name isn't on this deed, so I don't know what you're talking about. So it was, uh, it was very interesting and confusing at that point. So when I started going to church, I was really confused because I wanted to know about God and I wanted to understand what this 
thing was that everybody was feeling, but I just didn't. I didn't get it. I didn't understand why someone would want to serve a god. Why would you want to be a servant to anyone? I didn't understand why everybody was like, praise the Lord. Like, I was like, why? I understood who he was at that point and like what it meant and like that he probably was real, but I still didn't understand why I should worship him and like what that meant for me until I went to um, an evangelistic series that we were having at our church. And the only reason I went was because the pastor who was preaching was my friend. At least I like to consider him my friend. I don't know if he sees me as a friend, but whatever. Um, he was the first person that I met outside of John from the church that I was like, hey, okay, Christians aren't all crazy. Like they're legit people um, and they're fun. And I really enjoyed his presence. And I was like, okay, you know, and later on, I actually ended up doing my Bible studies with him and I, I, then I got baptized. Um, and like I said earlier, I'm really into true crime. I, anything about any kind of like murder, serial killer, like any kind of crime stuff like that. Like I'm like, I'm in for it. I want to listen to it. And I, we walked in late and I sat down, you know, and he was talking and blah, blah, blah. And he was talking about how like, um, Christ was on the cross and, and he said, um, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I was like, oh, wow, okay. And then he said, how would you feel if you got to heaven and Carla Homolka was there? And I was like, oh my goodness, I was meant to be here. <laughs> I was like, this pastor is talking about one of the most like infamous like murderers in Canada. And I was like, oh my goodness, like this is one of the questions that I had always had. What like, would serial killers end up in heaven? Would this be a thing? And that moment absolutely changed me because I was like, okay, I need to listen because obviously God's talking to me. And he continued to preach and he talked about how Jesus gave his life to become your sin. That blew my mind at that point in time. I was like, it's not only, you know, he died for my sins because that didn't make sense to me. It was he became my sins and he took them away from me. And it would be such an insult to him if I continued to live in that sinful life and just made him become more sin, even though he's already died for me. Um, and that absolutely changed my life. And then I cried <laughs> and I told John that I wanted to get baptized. So, yeah, we went to the Bible, we went to the evangelistic series and then she started um, Bible studies um with the uh associate or assistant pastor i'm not sure what his official title is pastor daniel <laughs> pastor and uh yeah uh it was interesting uh she went to the bible studies and you know i told her like this relationship can't go any further unless you agree to everything in this book and i pretty much handed her the 28 fundamental beliefs and she read the entire book in one night cover to cover i was committed guys yeah 100 percent committed <laughs> And so I went to a few of the Bible studies, but at the same time, we, uh, there was a lot of pressure from uh, inside and outside of, you know, my family of how I, the, this, I should be handling this relationship, which, you know, going back to boundaries, it was, it was a weird thing because I'm like, I don't think you have a say in this, but that's another thing that, you know, uh, I guess you can see in the church a lot is that you know it's hard for 
people to be able to minister to others, especially um, the the lost sheep. You know, Christ, you know, beloved lost sheep. When you know other people are limiting their interaction or saying, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't spend less time or you know you can't do this, you should do that, or you know, let someone else like an elder handle it. So those are the things that I realize I'm like we can't we can't do that. We can't just, you know, pass people along. And so there was a lot of uh resistance and a lot of uh drama about that that, you know, made things more challenging but uh strengthened our relationship and made it it made it grow. And uh at the after the end of her Bible studies she got baptized. In my grandma's lake. Um, but then we actually started a podcast. And um, we would do the Sabbath, the Sabbath school lesson on the podcast. And then it turned into, um, you know, different topics. And then we started talking about the Adventist home. when we were thinking about getting married. And, you know, our ministries went from individual ministries to, like, we leaned on each other. And grew our ministries so much. And now where I'm at today, like I look back on this and I'm like, we actually made an impact on so many people's lives. And, you know, that was everything I could have ever asked for was to show God's grace to someone so that they could end up in a position like me instead of being lost and broken. So yeah, like <clears throat> being able to, uh, you know, each other for our ministries helped uh, me while I was uh, director the Pathfinder Club at that point in time. Um, Brittany got to explore a little bit more about what Pathfinder is about and uh, understand, I guess, the inner workings of how um, our church functions, how, uh, I guess you could say, the governing body is set up and how things are supposed to run, etc., etc., and how some things are not supposed to run. Um, well, yeah, we started a podcast and we started reading Adventist Home now once uh, we were looking at getting married and yeah later down the road uh proposal happened and then we were like okay we have planning our wedding and stuff like that and there was still a lot of um <laughs> uh, not as much uh, resistance and like uh, people's opinions dwindled at that point um but it wasn't any easy feat because you know wedding during COVID was a uh, is a hard thing to plan. So, although our ministries grew, and I always heard the verse "Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers," and still after like a year and a half of coming to church and and you know teaching, people still saw me as an unbeliever and saw me as someone who oh, there's no way that she could possibly believe in God as much as she, she says she does or, or, you know, worship him as much as she says he, she does. Because, like, when she came here, she had a nose ring and she has tattoos and, you know, she was from outside, so she can't possibly be ready to do all of this. And the other thing I heard a lot was, you know, you're, you're too new. You're, you're, you need to be in this new believers class. It was hard to grow our ministries, but... I mean, we're here now, and I mean, people res respect us now, I think. <laughs> so. so, yeah, it's, uh, 
it's been a long journey to get to this point, and you know, we're still learning a lot, still dealing with a lot of things. Um, I find people hype up marriage uh, way too much. It is something that is sacred that God passed down to us, but it's sad to see that you're not respected as a respectable adult in the church until you are married and have kids. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see, looking back at how this story begun, and you know where it is now, and where it has potential to go, that you know a lot of people didn't think we would we would get we would end up here. A lot of people mm-hmm. who we worked with didn't think we would get here. We fought and we fought hard, and we're we're still here, and you know we're a little broken, <laughs> but. We're still here and we're together and we're growing closer to God. And all this to say, who I was when I met John was not who God intended for John. But who I became because of John and because of God is exactly what he needed. And same for him. Who he was when I met him was not who God had intended for me, but who he is now is exactly the husband that I needed. And sometimes we get caught up in all these routines and rules at church about, you know, this is how it's supposed to be, you know, don't wear jeans in the sanctuary, don't have any piercings and tattoos, and don't do this and that. But Christ came for the sinners and the broken. So let's not turn our backs to those who seem too far gone in your eyes. And because... You know, maybe that maybe your kindness will be what turns them around and makes them exactly who God intended them to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's always hope for those who uh, the lost sheep who may have wandered astray. Um, there is always hope, as long as they draw breath. There is hope for them, mm-hmm. and we who have grown up, we who may have been the one, the brother who didn't leave, who stayed with the dad, and part of the 99 sheep who stayed, our job is to work with them to bring them back. Mm-hmm. You know, it is to welcome them back, doesn't matter what they do or where they go, but to welcome them back with, you know, an open and loving heart and open arms to uh, accept them. Because if we're claiming to be Christ followers, we have to do what Christ would have done for them. And Christ would have welcomed them back. Christ tells us that there is more joy and rejoicing in heaven for the one for the one life that comes back to God than the ninety-nine who have always been righteous and with God. So yeah, that's our story. And uh, we just want to drive that point home of don't give up hope on um, the people who we may, that the church may deem as outcast or people who are too far gone. Because they can surprise you. Mm. Well, thanks for listening. And we're just going to close with a word of prayer. So I ask you to please close your eyes and bow your heads. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we want to thank you for this day. We want to thank you for everything that you have done for us, Lord. I ask that you please be with all those who have come online to uh, participate in uh, today's uh, Divine Hour service. Lord, I ask that you please bless them, uh, help them to uh, take this message, apply it to their hearts, apply it to their lives, 
and to remember um, that we are here and we are a hospital to help um, the lost sheep, Lord. For this is a prayer in your precious and holy name. Amen. Mm -hmm. Happy Sabbath, church. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. O oh, my soul, praise him, for he is thy help and salvation. All ye who hear, now to his temple draw near. Join ye in glad adoration. Praise to the Lord, who o'er all things so wondrously reigneth. Shielded thee under his wings, yea, so gently sustaineth. Hast thou not seen how thy desires there have been? Granted in what he ordaineth. Praise to the Lord, who doth prosper thy work and defend thee. Surely his goodness and mercy here daily attend thee. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do, if with his love he befriends.